now, 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 your weekly dose of inspiration, inspiration. Perspiration. perspiration, and just the right amount of bull defecation. <laughs> the Get You Some Radio Show, with your host, the Vice President of Making Shit Happen, Terry Lancaster. Greetings and salutations, everyone. Welcome back to the Get You Some Radio Show. I'm your host, Terry Lancaster, and today we have one of my co-authors from Unstuck. Unstuck 10 Proven Strategies for Breaking Through the Barriers to Small Business Growth, which is now a number one bestseller. I wrote the book with 10, 10 authors, one of whom was my friend Kayla Barrett-Curry. Kayla, how are you? That, 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 you got the new name and it's throwing me off a little bit. So Kayla just got married a few weeks ago. So we got, we got extra names, extra syllables. It's, it's a That's whole thing. Right. <laughs> it's confusing for all of us, Terry. <laughs> well, well it, it looks good on you, Kayla. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm doing great, Terry. Thank you. All right. So tell us a little bit about yourself. We can talk about the book Unstuck, but tell us, tell us the pre-Unstuck era. How'd you get here? Oh, I would love to. Uh, well, hi, everyone. I'm thrilled to spend some time with you this afternoon today. And, you know, um, I'm, an, I'm an organization development girl. It's the best way to describe me. So I've, I've been from just from a marketplace perspective, I've, I've worked and lived in a lot of different types of organizations from retail to IT, hospitality, nonprofit. And, and Terry, I got to tell you, everywhere I went, everywhere I've worked, I found that organizations really seemed to struggle with similar issues. It didn't matter if they were a Fortune 500 company, it didn't matter if they had 15 employees, that at the end of the day, there was a disconnect oftentimes between the business owner or leadership, whoever that might be, one or 10 or 15, and the folks on the ground every day taking care of the customer. Right. I had worked in nonprofit, I had worked in large organizations, and that was, that was the recurring theme. And so in 2006, um, I decided to launch Organization Impact with this, really the sole purpose of helping businesses with the talent strategy. It's everything about their people and the alignment of that. Making sure, you know, we're hiring the right people, which means we really know who we need and we know what we're trying to create with the customer experience. And then not only are we hiring the right people, but what do we do to select them well? How do you bring them into a company so they stick? Um, how do you equip them to take care of your customers in the best way possible so that as a business, whether you're a church, whether you're a school, whether you are, you know, you're selling, you know, parts to an engine, um, your team is delivering the service that's really making a difference to the customers and that, that, little, that little part of your blueprint, footprint that you're wanting to make out in the marketplace. And so we've been around, or, um, oh my goodness, we're in our 11th year. Wow. Super exciting. And um, over, over the course of that time, you know, our services have broadened and changed a bit to take care of whatever our clients need. And so today that can fall anywhere in the area of consulting to, you know, helping a business understand and define what its strategy actually is whether that's um, attraction and retention, whether that's succession, we can help you think through that. And then we help on the development side. We do tons of training on equipping, whether that's at the line level or the leadership level of the organization. And then we also do coaching, that one-on-one, -on -one helping you create tangible, actionable plans every 90 days, you know, that you're doing something to move um, move the dial and create some momentum. So it's tons of fun. We go wherever the business is. Um, and I'll tell you the secret selfish part of me with this business is I absolutely love seeing um, and learning about so many different types of businesses and 
they're fired up about what they do and they each add some element to our economy. And it's yeah. cool. We've, we've got a lot of creative, hardworking, loyal, fun people out there in the marketplace. And it's, it's just neat and such a privilege to get to work with them. You mentioned the disconnect between what, between what the owner or the, the, the boss, the CEO, the honcho is thinking, what's going on in their head and, and, the, and, the, and the frontline employee, what's going on there in their head. And I, you know, I have a small company. We've always been a small company, but we have, we have had a few employees here and there. And, and the thing that, um, that, that was, I struggled to find in the early days is it took me a while to realize, and my mother actually uh, explained this to me, well, Terry, they're not the owner. They're not, as in, they're not as invested as, in this as you are. They're not thinking about this 24 hours a day. This is a job. <laughs> and so, so I, it, it took me a long time to understand that I had to communicate with, with people differently because their expectations and what they're getting into and getting out, the business is quite different from what mine was. It is, it's true. Not, not only that, it's not, um, it's not their business. But from a business owner standpoint, we want them to feel like it is, yeah. right? That you have the autonomy to really make an impact. And, you know, I was talking to a colleague earlier today, as a matter of fact, and we were talking about how much the marketplace has changed. And, you know, when you think about um, employees of all types, I don't care what age, this isn't a millennial versus baby boomer conversation or anything like that, but employees, period, out there. Um, we're, we're living in an employee's marketplace. You know, you talk mm -hmm. about in real estate, it's a buyer's market or it's a seller's market. Well, it's an employee's market. Yeah. And, and they make that choice every day to show up and say, I want to be here. I choose to be a part of this organization. So I'm going to give you, you know, if I'm part-time, maybe I'm giving you three or four hours of my time today. If I'm full-time, I'm probably giving you eight plus. Um, so I'm choosing to be a part of this. And, and that whole mindset of what you just described of creating ownership, Mm -hmm. For the employees, I think it's, it's, such a, it's such a key for an organization that really wants to thrive. I think because money just isn't enough. My, my, you know, the, the money is, is, the money is gravy. We all got to have the money, but nobody's going to spend that big a chunk of their life just for the money. That's exactly right. And, and honestly, money's just the starting point. Yeah. You know, I mean, absolutely, we work for money. That's a given anymore. Right. But it's so much more than that. It's environment, it's culture, it's connections. Um, it's even down to the level of how philanthropic is the organization? Do you care? Mm -hmm. now, do you care about where you live and work? Do you care about our community? Do you care about our world? You know, it's all of those things that is, has, has an intangible dollar figure. You know, but it's what keeps employees connected and, you know, that engagement word is overused sometimes, but right. um, it's, why I it's why I show up every day. Yeah, I, I'm not sure engagement can be overused. And we talked about the new world, the sales process, and this is what, what I talk about in, in my chapter in the book, and the sales process has changed so dramatically. And so much is dependent upon, it's, it's the employee economy, but it's also the customer's economy. They've got more choices on where they're going to spend your money and how your employees treat your customers uh, they're, they're going to determine everything. And you even wrote a book last year about creating online reviews and how this entire process goes from the top to the bottom, how you treat one person affects how you treat the other person. Oh, it's huge. Um, you know, I co-authored that with a colleague of mine, Tony Bodo, and, and we begin to watch and see these trends, these connections. Tony lives in the customer space. Um, it's all about analytics. What are your customers really telling you about their perceptions of your business and your service? I live in the employee world. You know, what's the employee experience that you're creating for your customers? And we began to find such 
such synergies and parallels between those two. And we started researching online platforms. TripAdvisor, you know, it's kind of the Mac Daddy out mm -hmm. there for many businesses, but you could look at Yelp, you could look at so many others, and the trend holds true. Um, but one negative customer review online that is not managed well can derail customer choices to choose you quicker than any marketing budget you could throw at anything. Yeah. Something as subtle as, you know, um, how did they describe their experience and what did, you know, some complete stranger that goes on TripAdvisor to, to see that review, how did the organization handle that? Was it copy and paste? Thank you for your review. We're so sorry you had a bad experience. Or do they see real effort from the business to make it right? Um, and it, it's amazing. Um, it's amazing the power that online reviews have on a customer choice now to do business. And so if, if a business wants to have a real strong customer relationship, they've got to know what that, what that experience really needs to be. And then they're actually equipping their team to deliver that experience. Um, and when there's a misstep, they handle that, um, that they, they teach themselves how to handle it seamlessly inside the organization that they, they, they accept wrongdoing. They say, I'm sorry, they make it right. But, but not just on that element, when they get a compliment, it's the same response. Mm -hmm. They are overwhelmed with gratitude and they handle that just as well. Um, so it, you're right. It's a customer's market anymore. Um, for any business, you right. know, small, medium sized, large, I think it, it, we're at a different time. Technology has allowed that to a great extent, uh, but our culture has shifted as well. And, you know, Terry still, customer service will always be customer service. Mm -hmm. The difference is we talk about it very differently now. Yeah. The, uh, and I, I get amazed when I see, you were talking about how, how they handle the responses. I mean, okay, ignoring the response is one thing, deleting the response, but I, I, see, I see employees and businesses actively, you know, getting into shouting matches online and, and you're just, you know, you know, just stoking the, poking the bear. I don't, and I don't, I don't, I, don't, I think there's so many people who just don't understand how this all works now. It's, uh, you know, it, it, you know, and maybe 30 years ago, if you if you were a small if you owned a small town boy and uh, owned a small town business in Topeka, Kansas, and you know a customer got in your face, you could you could blow the customer off, and but you really can't blow anybody off now. You can't anymore, especially you know, when you see you know poor poor United Airlines and the problems that they've had in recent months. It took one video of a passenger right. uh, videotaping an exchange from a flight attendant to to a passenger, and it went viral. In yeah in minutes, not, not days. Right. And, and how the company responded to that, um, it, I mean, it began to kind of, I think what created, we call that snowball effect. And, you know, bless their heart, it wasn't on one plane, then something else happened somewhere else. And, and what appeared to be virally, um, mm -hmm. doesn't know how to treat its, its customers. Right. And in reality, that was an isolated incident on each of those planes. Right. Way customers talked about it and the emotion that they put into that, um, you know, United's still trying to recover from that. And and, and so that, that that shows how they affected how they were treating their customers, or actually not even how they they were treating their customers, how their customers were being treated because they weren't even actually the ones involved. But they yeah. didn't they they didn't get in front of it and they let it get behind. But how do how do they infect? Uh, you know, how do they treat their employees and how did that affect how the employees are, are, are treating and their customers? Exactly. Well, you know, you, you, you have to, you have to dig a little bit, I think on that and that um, 
you know, for, for a video like that to have taken place and, and it goes viral and it was, it was very unfortunate. None of us were on that plane. Mm-hmm. You know, there were only maybe what a hundred and something people on that plane, probably fewer than that that actually witnessed that event. They could say, I heard it. I saw it. This is what happened. Right. So we watched this video and we construe our own thoughts and emotions and perceptions on that. Right. In reality, it was, it was a moment of likely an employee making a poor decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, Emotions got the best of them. They were trying to enforce a policy and probably used words that that were were perceived very negatively to a passenger. And and I would love to have gone behind the scenes to see how did United address that with that employee. And even more than that, Terry, before that event ever happened, how had that employee been prepared to take care of a customer? Right. You know, what do you do if a customer tells you no? Or what do you do if, you know, in this moment of we're in the air and there's a problem, how do you handle that? What do you do? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, of course, that's where my brain goes. That's, that's how I'm wired to wonder um, what, kind of, what kind of equipping and then even what kind of problem resolution skills um, are given those employees. And when they do mess up, how, how is that handled? Yeah. Is, it a, is it a one strike you're out? Is it a three strikes? Um, you know, or do we, do we try to resolve it and coach and equip them? So, um, so let, let's go there. What should we do? How, how do we create the culture that creates happy employees, that creates happy customers so that, uh, so that this doesn't happen? Well, you know, that's a, you know, how do you get to the center of a, of a, to two <laughs> right? it's, you know, it's not a one, two, three, you know, yeah. and, and we're there, but it is a very intentional strategy. And, um, a lot of the work that I'm starting to see with clients is we're slowing the world down a little bit mm-hmm. and clearly articulating and defining what is that experience you want your customers to have. It's not, it's more than just happy. Mm-hmm. It's more than just satisfied. And it's really more than just service. It's an experience now mm-hmm. because of all these other ways and tools we have of sharing our, what we experience with someone. So until a business, and this, this, is, this is regardless of size, I think you really have to think about what, what is our value proposition to a customer? What do we want them to experience when, when they're with us? Whether it's online, whether it's face-to-face, whether it's on the phone, what do we want that to feel like, sound like? Um, what do we want that customer to think even during that, uh, during that exercise? And, and once you identify that, then you articulate that with every single person on your team, which means we hire relentlessly to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're really clear. So if, if you're going to hire me, Terry, as a customer service rep, in all reality, it's so much more than customer service. I am probably solving problems all day long. You're hiring me as a problem solver. You're right. not hiring me as a customer service person. Yeah. So, so how do I solve problems? What's my demeanor? And so you hire to that. And then once you hire me as your customer service rep, you're very specific in, in functionally what you need me to do. So technology, what screens are we using? I understand all the pieces and parts of our business. I know who's who. I know how business flows. But then you also set expectations for me relationally. How, how am I expected to function in this environment? I'm wearing this name tag, you know, that says United Airlines, that says McDonald's, that says Teleco. I, I'm, I'm someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm representing that name. So what does it look like for us? And, um, and what are our expectations? And I think a lot of businesses today are getting caught up in the, you know, we've got to be compared to the Joneses mm-hmm. and we've got to keep up with them. And in all reality, that's, that's not true. Keep up with yourself. Mm-hmm. Really define that well 
Um, so you know who to look for, which also secretly tells you who not to look for. Right. And then, and then hire to that standard and be relentless. You know, there's no such thing as a perfect company, but there are some superstars in this space that have developed processes and they're relentless. Chick-fil-A is one of them. Southwest is another one of them. Zappos is another one. And we could, the list could go on and on, but those are three juggernauts. Yeah. And, and the reason why they do that is they have a specific profile of who they want. And if you don't, and I'm not talking about demographically, I'm not talking about any, you know, gender, age, none of that kind of stuff. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a perspective on wanting to work there and their perspective on service and the experience that they bring to the table. And so these guys are so relentless, you don't get in if you don't meet those. And you think about that, um, if those, the, if the rejects to those companies don't get in, they get in somewhere else. Yeah, so they go across the street to the place yeah. that without the great customer service. Yeah, we, it, I think just, just the way we talked about that paying a great salary isn't enough to get a great, a great employee, that's only the starting point. Having the low price isn't going, to, isn't going to create customers for you, that's only the starting point. You've got to have the employees that create the experience that you talked about because the low price is just expected. The internet has has leveled the leveled the playing field, and that's that's the price of getting in the game. And oh, it is. It, it is, and it, it's the baseline. Yeah, you know, it really, is the baseline. You know, the research is beginning to show with this online review work that customers really are willing to pay more mm -hmm. for premium service when they're treated um, in such a way that you make me feel like a superstar. Mm -hmm. Not not spoil me. Not we're not, not talking about creating prima donnas. But, but there is a connection to that business where that customer says, I'm willing to drive further. I'm willing to pay a little bit more because of, of how I feel when I'm with you. Mm -hmm. I'm an experiential customer out there today. And yeah. that means, you know, you got to help your team learn and understand how to create that. Um, we've done a lot of work with call centers. We've done work with a lot in the hospitality space because that's such a, that's such a high volume market that, whether you're a front desk agent or whether you're taking reservations on the phone, you're still creating an experience. Mm -hmm. uh, it's different. You know, it, th those are two different experiences, but there are, there are behaviors associated with that. And that's, that's the sticky part, you know, yeah. that you're trying to get with your customers. So my, my, my feeling of this is, has been, and the thing I, I try to talk about and preach is that the experience people are looking for is a human experience. People want to be treated like people. They don't want to be treated like a customer. They don't want to be treated like a number. They definitely don't want to be treated like they're a bother. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, they, they, they want to have a human experience. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so true. And you know what, what's, what's cool about that concept. I totally agree with you. Um, you, you pick that statement up and you drop it into every business. Mm -hmm. This is not, that's not for salespeople. That's not for customer service. That's not for it. That's for every business. Um, that, that element of a connection has to take place today. And, and quite frankly, I, I think we've forgotten that a little bit. Um, and, and you can, you can create that connection and still be productive. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> it doesn't mean we're trying to have a party every right. day. Right. Right. But you can be productive with that. And the cool thing is you can actually be profitable with that. Yeah. I, th I, you know, I, I think it is more, I actually saw some stuff online. We're recording this a couple of days after the big eclipse here in Nashville. And I, oh. I saw a, 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 a diatribe online that a couple of people were talking about, you know, every, wait, everyone wasting time because they went outside to step up the eclipse. And this guy just got lambasted because, you know, everyone said, hey, my, my entire group, we went outside, we watched we watched the eclipse for three minutes. We took three minutes. We bonded. We, we shared an overwhelming, amazing 
you know, all inspiring experience and we went in and got more stuff done. I think any way that we can, we can, and, and I, I'm, I'm a work at home guy. I've been working at home, uh, you know, in, in uh, my pajama bottoms for the, for the last 20 years. And people talk about work life balance and I'm not sure that's a thing. I think we just have, we just have a life and there's work and there's personal and the more you can make it seamless, uh, the better off you're going to be. Well, you know, that adage of, you know, for, for people that work in bricks and mortar, that when you walk in that door, you're supposed to leave your personal life at home. Well, I, I don't know a mom or a dad out there that can say from nine to five, I have no kids. Right. You know, and I turn that part of my brain and my heart off. Absolutely not. And, and you're right. That, that whole work-life balance thing is, is probably a myth. Balance is not a myth. But finding a way to blend them, I think, is, is very much, um, I think it's a secret. Uh, yeah. for teams and businesses that are really doing something well. Yeah, my kids don't know where work begins and life begins because it's just, it's just who I am. And the more you can be who you are, I think the more you bring to the table, whether you're an employee, whether you're an employer or, or you're a customer, just be who you are every day and, and, and try to be nice to people. Happy oh, people absolutely. create happy customers. I agree. All right, so, so I, I promise everyone we're going to get one action step, one thing that they can do today that they can turn off the show when they leave and create, my, my, actually my, my, my adage, here's, here's, here's my culture, what we try to create, is I, I, I intend to create health, happiness, and prosperity. So I promise everyone one action step that they can do today to create health, happiness, and prosperity in their life. So Kayla, what can we do? What can we do? Well, you know what, that, that you know, again, it's, not, it's the Tootsie Roll question, right? There's a million things we could do. I think for, for every single person to find, find that right perspective, I think it starts with gratitude. Um, if I'm an employee working for someone every day, if I'm a leader and I'm, I'm leading a group of people every night before you lay your head on that pillow, if there's a moment of reflecting on the day and say, what am I thankful for today? Um, and it could be something as simple as, you know what, I, um, I only had to say I'm sorry 15 times. Yesterday <laughs> I said 20. Or I'm thankful that I'm actually going to bed and I have a roof over my head because right. I know people do not. Uh, if I, you know, if, if I'm, if I'm leading people, then I, I lay there and I say, you know what, I had a really good connection with my employee, Bob today. And I feel like I know a little bit more about him. Um, you know, I, I was able to actually make it to the gym today. I'm grateful for that. And, and if there's, if there's a moment every day, and for some people, I love it when I lay my head down at night, that's my, I want to turn my head off finally and, and, and ready, you know, I, I'm ready to sleep and I'm ready to renew myself, but it's that, it's just that, that alone time of thinking through, um, thinking through my day. And, and I really do think that helps, that helps you have a good night's sleep. It turns off all the voices. It turns off all the things I've got to do tomorrow. If I stop with gratitude in the evenings so that in the morning, when my feet hit the floor, I can thank God for another day that mm -hmm. I've actually am putting my feet on the floor. But, but I'm ready for that and I'm renewed. And, and it doesn't mean there aren't issues I've got to deal with. It doesn't mean that, you know, we've got, we've got some, some sales numbers we've got to make or I've got a team I've really got to address. But I've got to keep that perspective. And I think that's, um, you know, you talked about the eclipse. Our city was in awe and gratitude that we were in the, the arc of totality. Mm -hmm. But we got to see two plus minutes of just this cool moment in mother nature and we were all grateful for that um and you're right it, the city bonded over that yeah. and uh why can't we keep that going you know on an individual level 
what am I, what am I thankful for on a daily basis? And, and, and sometimes I try to be grateful for the stuff that, yeah, I have to really stretch. I am grateful for this honorary customer yelling at me on the phone. <laughs> That's right. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to solve this problem without punching this guy in the face. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm grateful that, you know, he's on the other end of the phone and not, uh, not, not right here in person because, you know, customers are customers. You have to be grateful for them, but sometimes you, ha you have to remind yourself. Well, it's grateful for the trials and it's grateful for the learning opportunities. I was speaking with my neighbor uh, recently and, and they were sharing with me, they, they kind of gotten beaten up a little bit. At least it's what they felt like. And they said, I'm learning to let it go. Yeah. I'll let it go. And she said, I've got to be thankful for that because it's teaching me how to let some of that go. And, you know, I think we forget there's gratefulness even in a trial and in a frustration um, because there's got to be some good to it. We're not just going through that for, um, for the negative, for the hurt and the pain, right. but you know, it's, it's a mindset and, and it's, it, it takes effort. That's intentional. Uh, a lot of us just because of, of life, we don't find gratitude, uh, naturally. We have to seek it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't just fall in our lap. And, and I just think that's important. Whether I don't even care what your job title is. I don't care where you work. Um, that's an important practice for everybody to, to at least incorporate into their routine sometime during the day. The obstacle is the path. It is. Thank you, Kayla, for being on the show. Thank you for spending some time with me. Thank you for, uh, for co-writing the book, uh, Unstuck, and, and all the work that you put in on that and promoting oh, it and getting pleasure. it all, all, all going. I'm, I, I'm, I, uh, I tell everyone I was that kind of, all, that whole thing from the convention to the, um, to, to the book, it all kind of seemed, happened by accident, but I don't guess anything's an act. It just kind of snowballed. I told my wife, I'm speaking with a couple of people. It's kind of a thing. And then it became kind of a bigger thing. And then it's like, oh my goodness, this thing has gotten completely out of hand. <laughs> so, so thank you for being a part of that. Tell us how everyone can get in touch with you if they need you. Absolutely. Uh, the best place is to find us online and you can do that at organizationimpact.com. Organization, organization, organization impact. Organization impact. No Dot. organizational. We're right. organization. There we go. Kayla Barrett Curry, thank you so much. Have a great day. I'll see everyone next time. Thank you, Terry. Being the boss is fun. Taking your ideas, turning them into something new and watching it grow. Oh, it's a lot of work but it's a lot of fun, until it's not. Most businesses reach a point where good ideas, common sense, and hard work just aren't enough anymore. They get stuck. Now, it's time to get unstuck. Unstuck 10 proven strategies for breaking through the barriers to small business growth. Get your copy today and get unstuck. HSM Radio. You've been listening to the Get You Some Radio Show. Subscribe today at terrylancaster.tv to hear more episodes, win valuable cash and prizes, and get free training to help you create an army of buyers who know, like, and trust you before they've ever even met you. It's a big, wide world, boys and girls. Get out there and get you some.